It was early to be seeing a sailboat. Still more night than morning, the pale first light all in the east behind the dunes. As the dawn's glow increased, it made the boat's sails starkly bright against the implacable darkness to the west, from which the craft apparently had come. Relentlessly, the boat moved nearer still, its sailcloth fluttering and flaring pink as the sun finally lifted into the sky. The western gloom began to yield, revealing the sharp line of the watery horizon and the full breadth of Lake Michigan, which was perfectly empty, except for the boat. The fisherman, who had set up his small encampment on the breakwater shortly after midnight in the vain hope of returning with a coho salmon or two, was irritated by the sailboat's presence. When it had first appeared as a vague, gray, forbidding glimmer in the false dawn, it had frightened him. Then, when he had finally come to realize what it was, he had been oddly comforted, glad of its company, welcoming the interruption it made in his long, lonely, fishless vigil. In its leisurely way, it seemed headed directly for him. He called to it, expecting an equally cheerful reply, but received none. Heard nothing at all. For a time he ignored the boat, busying himself with checking his bait and recasting his line. But it was still there, edging ever closer, swinging in slow, idle, partial circles from right to left and back again, underway but not truly sailing. The breeze was very light but constant. It had been out of the southwest all night, warming the air but bringing only a slight rhythmic slosh of water against the breakwater. Except for the occasional scree of a seagull and the tiny clank of the boat's rigging, there was no other sound. Setting down his rod, the fisherman stood, wincing at the ache in his legs and back. He called out again, more sharply. There was no answer. He could see no one at the helm or in the boat's cockpit. He reassured himself with a new thought. The boat must have come loose from its mooring in some distant harbor and been blown across the lake but his unease returned when it occurred to him that no one would have left a boat tied up with its sails fully rigged and cleated. The main sheet was taut, but the boom and tiller appeared to be caught up in tangled lines, accounting for the craft's erratic behavior in the water. He realized then that he could be looking at death, or a sign of it, that whoever had been aboard might well have fallen over the side, drowning unheard and unseen in the night's vast darkness. The fisherman could make out the letters and numbers at the bow clearly enough to note an Illinois registration. The straight-line distance from the Grand Pier Michigan breakwater where he stood to Chicago across the lake was nearly forty miles, a long way to travel in a single night. He stepped back from the edge. There had been no storm, no heavy winds, nothing to overwhelm a helmsman or cause sudden distress. One could have crossed the lake in a tiny outboard that night if one had gasoline and courage enough. Whoever had been aboard probably had been drinking. It happened all the time. The boat's northeasterly course continued to bring it nearer, but was taking it farther along the breakwater. The fisherman thought of going for help, but it was a long walk to the harbormaster's office, and he wasn't sure anyone would be there this early. Grand Pier was not a busy port, even at the height of the summer boating season.